I'm a professional emigre, I suppose you could say. Some people have a career that's relatively straight line. My career could be characterized as being like a bowl of spaghetti thrown against a wall. If you imagine a possible direction I could go in, I've probably been there. Welcome to Unique Careers, Unique Lives. This is a show, and I'm on a quest. A quest to find how people get unstuck and create unique careers, unique lives. Every week, I interview a guest to find their answer. Will you join me? Let's begin. In this episode, my guest is Liam Anderson. I met Liam through my profession. For the continuous quality and my continuous training, I have been doing co-coaching with other coaches and Liam became my coaching partner. Through our coaching sessions and our conversations, I got to learn his wonderful career story, which had interesting steps. And he has a very vivid language and nice way of expressing his thoughts, which inspire me. So I wanted to have him on this podcast to learn from him on the spot and share his story with you so that it can inspire you, hopefully, as well. I hope you enjoy this episode and talk to you in the end. I was born in the south of England and I lived and worked in the south of England until I was 27 years old. I'm going to talk about my career a little bit later, but just to say that I have always had a fairly rapid turnover of jobs. And when I was 27, the early 1990s, I got to the point where I lost my job and I could not get another stable job and get another stable income. And that was when I moved abroad, left the United Kingdom and I've never been back to live in the United Kingdom since. I think I can say that I don't anticipate that I will ever move back to the United Kingdom again to live. I'm a professional emigre, I suppose you could say. The first time I heard such a <laughs> professional definition. Mm. <laughs> So maybe you also give a bit of uh, insight to what you do right now, where you are. What I'm currently doing at the moment is I work for a software company uh, where I do two things. First of all, I help my colleagues to sell software to corporate clients by answering corporate clients' questions about can we do X, Y, Z using this software? Because if the answer is yes, and I tell them how they can do it, then they're more likely to buy the software. If the answer which I give them is no, then they're less likely to buy them. So it's definitely up to me to try and find ways to help the clients solve these potential problems so they can do what they want to do with our software. Hmm. Second part of my job is once we have got the contract... Uh, my job is to go in and help the client set up the software in such a way that they can run their processes on our software and also to train the users in how to use our software to run these processes. 
So the question that comes to my mind is how did you end up in, you didn't say it, but you right now live in Prague. Yeah, that's correct. I live in Prague, Czech Republic, which is where my company is based. And I mean, to give you the full version, that would be a 10-beer story. So I'm obviously <laughs> going to go for the cut-down version. I think that some people have a career that's relatively straight line. My career could be characterized as being like a bowl of spaghetti thrown against a wall. If you imagine a possible direction I could go in, I've probably been there. I started out after graduating from university. My first job was training to be an officer in the Royal Navy. But then I had a medical issue and had to leave that. Then I worked as a customs officer doing VAT inspections for two years. Then I became a trainee tax consultant, which is, I guess, gamekeeper turned poacher. Um, then there was the economic problems there, plus also the fact that I wasn't terribly good at being a tax consultant because the mindset for a tax consultant is different from being a customs officer. So I ended up in telesales for a time. Uh, and that was back in the 1990s when it was literally, they just give you a telephone and a page from the phone book, all totally illegal these days. That didn't work out. And so that was when I decided to leave the UK and went into teaching English as a foreign language. I did that for a number of years and actually ended up in the British Council. And I was on my way to climbing the hierarchy when I realized that the British Council was not for me. So I went back to the Czech Republic because by that time I was married to a Czech lady and I moved into contact centers, which is kind of a development from the telesales business. And then later on from contact centers through a certain number of adventures, I ended up working for the company where I work now, which sells software for call centers. And I'm involved in IT sales, IT user enablement and IT training. What I hear from this part is that the, the, the first part seemed first you were in the Navy, then due to your health, you moved to a different uh, job and then to a different job. And then there was this decision point where you decided to move out of UK. Mm -hmm. Correct. So it's one of the highlights that I heard. So what happened there? So what had happened was from, let me just try and remember the dates roughly. Uh, so I joined customs in 1986 and I stayed in customs as a VAT inspector until 1988 in South London. Actually, sounds very strange to say it, but this job was actually great fun. The money was not very good, but the job was fun. have to admit, I had great fun doing that job. What made this fun? Because as a VAT inspector, you go to visit traders, they're called, and you get to work largely alone. So it's you and the trader. And you will come along, turn up, you'll talk to the trader, find out how he runs his business, especially how he sets up the VAT accounts and things like that. You will then as a result of the interview, look at his books and check various things. And then you will make a decision as to whether his VAT accounts are accurate or not. 
And if they're not, then you may issue an assessment or alternatively, you might kick it up the line because it needs to go to investigations. And I was visiting sometimes one, maybe two small businesses a day. So I got to see all sorts of small businesses and how they work. So there was a massive variety in my work. One day I could be at a guy who was installing uh, mobile phone systems into cars. This is when they had to install them into cars in those days. The next day I could be at a dry cleaners. The next day I could be at a baker's. Bakers were always good because you got free samples. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it was all sorts of things. I mean, even from the point of view, there was one business I, I went to see where they made, okay, they made specially shaped lead shields to focus the beam of a Betatron to provide radiotherapy for cancer patients. And the other one was there was even even an arms dealer, uh, as I say, a massive variety. And you got to see all sorts of things. And if you have a genuine curiosity, which I did, this was what made it really interesting. And I assumed or felt you were also eager to learn. Uh, well, I've always been a very curious person. I mean, I have to admit my favorite website's probably got to be Wikipedia. And I am very interested in learning about all sorts of things. I always like finding out how things work, how people do things, etc. So this huge variety was what really made it very interesting. From VAT inspector to moving out of UK and becoming an English teacher, how did you make this transition? The transition was not deliberate. What happened was I got a job as a tax consultant, a trainee tax consultant, because the money which the accounting firms were paying was a lot more than the money which uh, customs and excise were paying. Hmm. And the, I mean, my motivation with doing this, for doing this was basically... If you want to build a life for yourself, you know, including a family, this type of thing, you need money and you need to have earning potential. And if you don't have earning potential, A, you just haven't got the money and B, you're not a terribly good catch for the ladies. So that was my motivation for going into it. It turned out that the accounting firms and the accounting profession is a very different pr profession because customs and excise, the, the institutional culture there was based on law enforcement, whereas the institutional culture for accountancy is based on accountancy. And it's two very different things. And I guess I didn't really fit in with that second institutional culture too well. I was in three firms. The first firm I left because I failed my exams. Although, in fact, looking back on it, I probably shouldn't have done that and didn't need to do it. The second firm was, I just really didn't like at all. Then I went and joined the third firm because I got fired from the second firm. And the third firm then fired me short order because I didn't like it and they found out I was looking for a job in another one. Then I couldn't find a job at all, but there were loads of jobs going, which were commission only jobs going in telesales companies. These telesales companies were selling actually very dubious products. It was supposed to be advertising in buyer's guides and things like that. 
it was really quite unclear whether these buyer's guides were ever actually published or shipped to anybody. I mean, I, you know, we saw samples, but have no idea what happened to them. The training was non-existent. It was literally just give you a script, which is printed out on a piece of paper, give you a phone and pages from a phone book or the yellow pages and just say, get on with it. So it was very primitive. I did that for about six months. And I realized I was not making money at all. I was making very little money. And so I had a friend who had been teaching English as a foreign language abroad. And I thought, well, at least this way, I will actually get paid a regular monthly salary, which is not going to happen if I, if I carry on doing this job. I looked at my bank account, I looked at how much I was getting through, and I worked out that I had six months before it hit zero. So I thought, I've got to do something. As a result of that, I went on a teaching English as a foreign language course. I then got myself a job in Greece. I could tell you a lot more stories about both the course and how I got the job, because in fact, I did my greatest sales call persuading the woman who ran the recruitment agency to give me the job. And my bosses in the telesales business, if they had heard me on that call, I think they would have been proud of me because I remember one of them saying to me, you know, somehow I get the impression there's a tiger inside of you, but I just don't know what button to press to let it out. But on that day, the button was desperation and the tiger was out yeah, I persuaded this woman in a 10-minute in a phone call from a phone box to, uh, actually, five-minute phone call from a phone box. I persuaded her to give me an interview, and she'd never even heard of me before at the start of the call. <laughs> Tell me more about this. How did this happen? So you had your training done for becoming okay. an English teacher. So I went to this. I'm not going to mention the name of the company that provided this, but I went to this absolutely dreadful, dirt-cheap, TEFL course held in a rented back room in a place in Tottenham Court Road, London. Hmm. And most of the other people in the course were equally desperate as I was in some ways. The difference is they'd never been in sales. So at the end of the course, we had this little graduation ceremony, as it were, and the trainer... And the owner of the course came in and gave a little speech. And then the trainer said, well, I've been in touch with the recruitment agency and there's, they've got one job going in Greece. So here's the phone number. And we all dutifully wrote it down. And after the graduation ceremony, there was a buffet. And of course, because we were all broke, I mean, everybody was looking at the buffet. So everybody else went for the buffet. I said, excuse me, and sort of made out that I was going to the bathroom. I nipped out the door, round the corner, found a phone box, because this was before mobile phones, phoned up this lady and said to her, you know, hello, I've just been given this number from blah, 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 about the job in Greece. And she said, oh, yes, okay, thank you very much. Then she said, okay, so can you send your documents? I said, well, why don't I bring them around with me? And she sort of said, what? I said, yeah, I can bring them around with me. I've got them at home, so I just bring them. She said, but you could photocopy the table. I said, have you got a photocopier in your house? Yes. Okay, so you can photocopy them there, can't you? So she still said, oh, okay. Then I said to her, when do you want me to come round? Tuesday or Wednesday next week? Because it was Friday. And she said, oh, uh, 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 uh. 
So I said, which is better, Tuesday or Wednesday? So he said, oh, uh, Wednesday, I suppose. Okay, morning or afternoon? Uh, mm, not sure about that. Are you sure? Yeah, morning or afternoon? Anyway, we fixed the date for Wednesday, two o'clock in the afternoon. Bang, on one phone call, because I just didn't let her go until she'd given me a date and a time for an interview. That's amazing. And you chose not to go and eat. <laughs> you chose to go and make this call. Well, one of the things which a successful salesperson has to do is they have to look at opportunities and you have to decide how you're going to use your time. And if you see an opportunity, you go for it. While you're talking about this, I'm thinking that this is not only for salespeople, but for anyone, because whatever we do, we convince people or take people as partners to our projects and or to the common good. And it's always a way of I think making choices and getting others buy in to what you chose to do sure so how have you taken what you have learned from this experience this I think this, I would call it a success story <laughs> to your further days and life number of things which I would say that I've learned is no experience which you have in life is wasted. And I think that's very important. So for example, when I was in the Navy, I was only in the Navy for three months before I was invalided out, but that taught me a certain degree of self-discipline. And it also taught me that by having a certain bedrock of discipline and standards, you can actually improvise and do things on the fly very, very quickly. So, for example, in my current job, or at least before the current situation, I was being asked to travel at very, very short notice. And because of my experience in the Navy, I was, you know, I can pack to get on a plane to go somewhere for a week or two weeks, and I can do all that in 30 minutes. So literally, someone can pick up the phone and says, Liam, I need you in Moscow tomorrow. That did actually happen to me once. And I can just say, yeah, okay, right, I'm on it. So that was one thing which I learned. I'd say from the telesales, obviously, that ability to close a customer, because that's the closing part of the sale, that was also very useful. Then what I learned by being an English teacher has helped me in terms of then both user training and presenting. My presentation skills are much better and also explaining quite complicated concepts in simple fashions which has also been very, very useful in persuading people to use our product, answering customers' questions, this type of thing. And again, that comes back off the back of the experience as a VAT inspector, where I got the experience of going to a wide range of businesses, talking to a wide range of people, and handling directed conversations to achieve particular ends. So, you know, I could talk to these people, listen to them, They would tell me all sorts of things. I would listen to what they were saying and I would direct the conversation to try and find out how they ran their businesses, et cetera, and then look to see if what they were telling me was consistent with what was in their books, et cetera, et cetera. And again, that was also very useful because it was a mixture of the communication skills and also the analytical skills and also to a certain extent of persuasion skills. I find myself drawing from experiences which I've had all throughout my career. And like I say, any experience which you have is not going to be wasted. 
And even if you don't use it right now, you never know when you're going to use it in the future. So always consider every experience as an asset in the bank. That would be one thing which I've definitely learned. I had two things that came to my mind. First of all, I want to touch base again. The purpose of this podcast was to also support people who feel stuck in their careers or lives to find courage and inspiration to take the next step. And from your story, I heard a couple of things. First of all, like taking what was out there as a possibility to move forward. I'm referring to your sales, commission-based uh, telesales. And then I heard you remembering a friend who was doing something and then training yourself in that. What other ways can you trace back in your life or looking now when you felt stuck that helped you move forward? I remember I was absolutely devastated when I was told I had to leave the Royal Navy because I'd signed up for the Royal Navy as a, on a full career commission, which was a 22-year commission. And then I found out that my plans were going to be blown out the water completely after only three months. But I do remember something which our fleet chief petty officer said to me. I think it's a very, very useful piece of advice. And he said, the measure of a man is not what he does when everything goes well. The real measure of a man is what he does when he's been knocked down. So does he stay down or does he get back up? And that's very important because it's easy, and this is what he said to me, it's very easy to be the king of the world when everything's going right. But what's really a measure of a person is what they do when everything goes wrong. So that would, I would say, would be the first thing which I would say to people who are experiencing a big change. Yep, I can understand that they may need a time to grieve and a time to heal. But in the end, the fact is, you've got to get back up there and get out and fight. I mean, I have a friend who's a big fan of boxing, and he told me that sometimes when you see someone who's been knocked down on the ground and they're counting up to 10, and they, you know it's up to 10 when it's a knockout. In fact, this person could get up at five quite easily, maybe even three. But what happens is he's got six seconds to take a rest, so he uses it. So if you do get knocked down, there's nothing wrong with taking a little bit of a time to rest, think, regroup, work out what you're going to do, but you've always got to have in mind that you have to get straight back up again and at it again. That's extremely important. In terms of the leaving the UK to go to Greece, my original reasoning behind that was very simple. I wasn't intending to go to Greece. I was just intending to go somewhere and teach English because that would give me a stable income. My view of the matter was purely, was that pragmatic? I didn't give a damn where I went, just as long as I was able to have a stable income. So I did that and I saw it as an opportunity because I thought, okay, so let's run with this and see what I can do. And I found out that in Greece, it was also possible quite easy to actually have private lessons as well as your main income. Then I kind of, again, switched back to my orientation towards sales when I moved down from Castoria at the end of year two 
or move to Thessaloniki because most of the guys in Thessaloniki, they were doing one or two hours of private lessons per week. I wanted private lessons, but I realized I could make quite a lot of money. So what I did was I undercut them in terms of the price. I charged a lot less and I ended up doing 10 hours a week, which was hard work, but I ended up making a lot of money and there were certain times when I was doubling my income. I also didn't go back to the UK to see my family. Instead, I stayed on and did summer school where I made even more money. So I really wanted to try and make as much money as possible, but doing a good job so that I could repair some of the damage which had been done when I'd uh, left the UK. So again, I saw this as an opportunity. And when you see opportunities, that's the next thing. You never know when an opportunity is going to come around the corner. And sometimes you have to be able to recognize that opportunity and then do something about it. So if someone were to say that I was lucky, I'd say that yes, in many respects, I've been extremely lucky. But in many respects, I've also recognized my luck and known what to do with it. If you are transforming yourself, you need to keep an open mind, see opportunities and think, okay, what can I do with these opportunities? And maybe the opportunity might be something short term, but you've also got to think, I think, especially in a situation like this is, okay, maybe I'm not going to make the big money at first, but what can I learn from it? And can that be a stepping stone to something else? So it might be that if you want to get from point A to B, you have to go through X, Y, and Z first. What you told about opportunity actually made me inspired. What I picked up from what you said is you said, uh, so they say I was lucky, but I was seeing the opportunity. And what you did was you took the opportunity. And I was wondering how can one influence uh, themselves to be able to see opportunities? So to, to prepare yourself so that when the opportunity presents itself, you are able to see. I think that's kind of a mindset approach. If you want to be able to see opportunities is to try not to necessarily think conventionally. And the other thing is a lot of people's thinking is based on their past professions or whatever, if they're changing job. So someone might, for example, have been working in their previous job as, for example, an English teacher. So they're moving to another country or they lose their job and they're moving either to another country or their own country and they think, okay, I'm going to go into teaching again. Well, that is one possibility. But then if you do that, you're losing all the other opportunities which might come because what else can you do with your skills as a teacher what happened with me was when I left the British Council I went back to Prague because my ex-wife was living in Prague at the time and we were looking through the jobs on the job boards and there were some jobs going for English teachers but there was also a job going as a trainer in a call center so I thought okay let's give this a go And I remembered, and I was thinking, I did the telesales before, so I know something about telesales, and this appears to be a British-run call center. And the British, like people who are bold as brass, go straight in there, 
and do not hesitate whatever happens. That's more or less what I did. I wrote a letter to them or an email and I carefully explained to them my background and how my background, my teaching background could be useful to them and how I'd also done six months of telesales. I kind of forgot to mention the results, which weren't terribly good, but never mind. And I sent the email off to them. And in fact, I even got, I remember because I remember I got, they had a problem with their email system and I kept on getting rejections from the email system saying it hadn't got through. And I was thinking, hell, you know, this isn't good. So I phoned them up and said, look, I've been trying to apply to this job, but I keep getting bounce backs. Is there an alternative email I can send it? So I got this through to them in the end. They invited me for an interview and the rest is more or less history. So if you have a very narrow focus based on your previous work experience and think I was a teacher in the past, so I can only be a teacher again. Well, guess what? You'll limit yourself to opportunities as a teacher. I mean, I've heard of case quite recently where there are a couple of guys who used to be pilots for Flybe, the airline. Now, Flybe, in fact, went into administration before COVID-19 virus hit the world. Yeah, or at least hit the UK. These guys would have lost their jobs as pilots anyway. However, these guys who I'm thinking about, they are now driving trucks for Tesco's and they're delivering food. Now, the money probably isn't as good as they were getting when they were pilots, but they are still employed. They're still doing something. And in fact, they're doing something which is not only contributing to their own income, but in fact, also they're essential workers who are keeping the rest of the economy going. So they saw an opportunity because there was a need for truck drivers and they took it. And that's the thing. So you have to have a kind of a wider scope and see beyond your traditional scope, because if your traditional scope was so good, then why are you in a position where you need to change or why are you stuck? You can't unstick yourself with the same thinking that you got yourself stuck with. That's an essential principle. So if you want to get unstuck, you need to change your thinking. Before you started giving the example or giving the details of how you moved from Greece to Prague, I was thinking that what made you see opportunities in terms of finding more teaching clients, having more private lessons was that you had a focus that you, you knew that you could do more of what you were doing, the teaching, and you could twist uh, and update a bit of the settings so that you would get more clients. So there you had a very clear focus so that that enabled you to see in which ways you can change the game and you can maximize uh, your, I don't want to use the word profits, but your, uh, yeah, let's say profits out of it. Income, income, income yeah. profits, yeah. Not, not only income, but it can be also emotional. It can be really like make yourself engaged and get the full experience out of what you're doing. Mm. And in your second example, it was like when you are transitioning from one thing to the other, first you had a very, you had a focus and that didn't work. So now you will have the bigger possibilities if you can um, mix the things that you have experienced in your life, like create the sweet spots of your skills, knowledge and everything so that you will have a bigger view on where the opportunities can be, then you can see them. Yeah, that sounds about right. 
it feels there are two different stages where you are at your work that might help you to see the opportunities, either getting deeper into what you are doing or expanding your view. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Thank you for, I mean, this was, I, I learned this through listening to your experience. And, You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> Now I want to come back to the first picture you gave to me. You said, my career story has been like pasta or spaghetti thrown at the wall. Yes. So <laughs> this image is very vivid for me. So when you look at this pasta at the wall, how does it look like to you right now? I think that traditional HR people would probably find this rather disturbing because most traditional HR people are trying to fit. They're trying to fit people into a, into a particular mold. They're trying to, you know, they're saying we want X number of people who can do job Y. So that means we want people who have previous experience of job Y. The system for recruiting people to do jobs and for professional development, if you like, as a mechanical process, does not reward diversity of experience, nor does it promote diversity of experience. If you start your career off as an accountant, the chances are 40 years later, you will end up in your career as an accountant because you'll get a better job as an accountant then a better job as an accountant then a better job as an accountant, etc. If you've been all over the place like me, the chances are you're going to find it more difficult to get a job in a normal corporate environment unless you have some kind of specialized knowledge which the company wants and in the cases of the software company it was a software company but they wanted someone who had worked in call centers because that's the market which they address so they wanted someone who could see the world through the same eyes as their customers and who had seen the world through the same eyes as their customers and that's the reason why I got the job And so if you are going to have a varied skill set, you have to bear in mind that the way you sell yourself, if the people who you want to sell yourself don't appreciate a diverse career, then what you might need to do is to stress what they consider the relevant experience and suppress the not so relevant experience in some way so that they will see you as being the person who fits into their nice little mold. So if you have multiple areas of experience and interest, then you can always create a nice package that would fit to <laughs> requirements of someone. I wouldn't say can always. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, a lot of people talk about transferable skills. And I was very lucky because in the case of that particular call center, they actually bought the idea of transferable skills. I think there are many other companies who would not have given me that opportunity because they would have been looking for someone who had had a call center background, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So it does also depend. You know, there are lots of companies who want people from a specific background and they don't want to take the risk of employing someone from a different background where this person might fail. Companies are frequently very, very risk averse And they don't like taking risks. So one of, the, one of the problems you will have if you're looking for a job in the corporate sector is that they don't want to take risks. They don't want people who've had career breaks. They don't want have to have people who have to 
wide range of career experience. They want someone who has done exactly what they require and that's it. But the problem is when you get that, you also means that these people don't have various experience to tap into both in terms of career experience and other experience. For example, I know someone, he had a straight line career, but he'd never been divorced and he's never been fired. So it's quite possible that if one of those two things happens to him, he might go completely to pieces for the simple reason that he hasn't faced that kind of test. I think what you said, and I believe that having a variety of experience gives you also points of connection so that you can get more creative at mm -hmm. work as well. You can bring what you have learned from something to somewhere else and you can solve problems better. You can connect with people better. I think that is pro of hiring someone that has experience in multiple different fields. Uh, if the corporates would listen to this podcast, <laughs> I would like to take our opinion on this. I think this is uh, where um, I stand and I'm hearing you saying something similar. But as it's uh, probably individuals who are listening who will make the changes. So they will be taking risks and they will be checking what uh, companies they would be meeting, I think, that are ready to take the risk of hiring someone that might be not as experienced in this specific field they want, but brings with them a huge uh, life experience and potential to create solutions. I talked about my experience as a VAT inspector and how I visited lots of businesses. And I had to understand how those businesses worked very quickly in order to then look at their processes, look at how they did their VAT returns. Now, as a consultant doing solution selling, one of the things which I do is I visit various contact centers and I find out what they're doing in terms of their quality management processes and things like that. And I'll analyze those and I'll see where we can make improvements using our technology. And then I'll say, you know, okay, so we found challenges, which you told me about, which was challenge A, challenge B, challenge C, challenge D. We think that we can solve these problems for you using our technology by doing W, X, Y, and Z. You know, from that point of view, the experience I had as a VAT inspector is quite useful from this point of view because it helps build up the needs analysis, which you have as a sales guy to then propose a solution which is going to make, meet the customer's need. The principle of needs analysis also fits into teaching because if you're creating a course for someone to do an English language course, one of the first things you want to do as a needs analysis is to find out what the actual student wants to learn. You know, you might be asking them, why do you need to learn English? What are you going to do with this English? Who are you going to talk to? When are you going to talk to them? And then that way you can choose which part of the English language you're going to teach them and in what order. So as I say, all these experiences start to come together and you can use them in different contexts. Definitely. And I guess you made a connection to how you started in the beginning. Everything that you have learned is actually your asset and is valuable. So nothing is lost, nothing is wasted. Absolutely. That's perfect. So I would say when I ask you how does your spaghetti on the wall looks like, to me it looks like an artwork. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you are enjoying your artwork on the wall. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So I am coming actually to my last question. What is exciting you in the future? Okay, so a number of things are exciting me in the future. First of all, we are expanding our product range at my company, which means I've got more products to help clients to use and more things to talk about with clients. The other thing is I'm also starting my own executive coaching business. Reason being is because I'm approaching what would be conventionally considered as retirement age. And so I want to have something to keep me busy after that. I also want something that I can take with me to Thailand because my partner lives in Thailand and I'm planning to retire there. I think growth mindset is actually looking, looking at it hugely empowering in a way because if I look back at my life, there have been a number of times when if I had had the kind of coaching which I'm supplying now when I was young, I could have done so much more when I was younger. I think that right now with the impact of the COVID-19 virus, a lot of people are being compelled to rethink what they are doing, either because they've lost their jobs or because they've been working from home and they're now seeing their work from a different perspective. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people who may decide they want to do something different with their lives. And these people are going to need help to face these changes, to navigate them. And they may also need help to try, especially if they're starting their own businesses, as I think a lot of people will be doing. They may have a great idea, but to try and navigate the intricacies of actually taking a product or a service, which is an idea and turning it into a product which they can actually sell and make money with. Mm -hmm. And this is where I believe I can help people. All right. So how can people get in touch with you? My logo of my business includes an email address and a phone number. You can also look up Liam Anderson on my LinkedIn profile so that you can find me there and contact me that way. Or if you've got some kind of uh, comments or something on the blog post, which comes with this podcast, they can just make comments there and uh, I'm sure you'll pass them on to me and then I can respond that way. Of course, I would be happy to. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much, Liam, for your time and for sharing your stories, your ideas, thoughts and wisdom. I learned a lot from you today and I was also very inspired. And I'm hoping this will also move some things for you and uh, for others who are listening to this recording. So thank you very much. Thank you. Spaghetti thrown at the wall. What does your career story look like to you? I really enjoyed our conversation and I hope you enjoyed it too. If you like to know more about Liam and you also want to read my takeaways and reflections based on what we have talked, please visit the website of this podcast, which has the same name with the podcast 
uniquecareersuniquelives.com. It is uniquecareersuniquelives.com. I wish you enjoy all the steps that you are taking in your life and see how it's contributing to your full picture. Sending you lots of love and looking forward to talking to you in the next episode.